0: You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured Sermon of the Week. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to seek the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. He came and he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. Guess what? He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and he said, ah, Greetings. And they came up and they took a hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are not in that grave any longer. Lord, it was a borrowed moment. It was a time in history where everything seemed dire, but you had an ultimate plan. Today we celebrate the risen Savior. We celebrate that you have conquered death, hell, and the grave. And today we are so thankful. That not only do you rule and reign, but you abide in this place. We reverence you, Holy Spirit. And we say thank you right now. Can you just thank him right now? Just say thank you, Jesus. Come on, you can say thank you, Jesus, right now. Because he is, and he has done that for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, could you turn around and just say happy Resurrection Sunday to somebody around you. Just welcome them. Say happy Resurrection Sunday. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Well, it's been a good day today. For some of you, we got to spend our morning watching the sunrise on our land, and that was pretty profound. It was amazing to be out there and to see so many people worshiping Jesus as the sun came up. I think it was especially beautiful for me. I've been believing for God to do something in this church, in a place where we could actually own our own. And we got to speak to the land. We got to speak to the city. And it was beautiful. I believe that what God is doing in our city is profound. I know there's so many people that probably would disagree and say, well, there's other things we could be doing better. But how many know that God is always moving? And that's the beautiful thing about it. There is joy in the morning. Turn to somebody and say, there's joy. Tell them that there's joy. Now it's interesting because this is such an interesting story. When we look at Matthew, we hear what was happening in this particular story because it says this, it says they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Now, I don't know about you, but like, this has been a pretty wild week, a couple weeks maybe here for Nashville. But can you imagine the last three days for these disciples? Like literally, they, they, were, they were following a man. They gave themselves over for three years to be with somebody that they fully believed was going to uproot the government and turn over Rome and give us our liberation. And we're going to rule and reign with this man. I see something special about him. He's healing things, he's talking really well. And, and then all of a sudden, on Friday, he's nailed to a cross. And every one of these disciples that were all excited when he was riding into town on a donkey, we talked about this last week, and they said, "Hosanna," which means "save us. This is happening, guys, this is happening. Peter, this is happening. We're, this is, we're, we're part of the right team. We're, this is an uproot. We're, we're, going, we're, going to, we're going to be victorious, and now that man is in a tomb." Imagine the roller coaster of emotions, not only for Jesus because he knew what was getting ready to happen, His disciples. And let me just say this to you. I've said this before, but many times we give the disciples way too much credit. bunch of boneheads, really, in some ways, right? They were fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. They are just a whole bunch of people. But really, they didn't listen. You ever tell it to your kids? Are you listening? <laughs> Did you listen to what I said? I, Jesus, I can imagine in the grave thinking, are they real? They didn't listen. He knew. These are the same guys that wouldn't stay up with them in the Garden of Gethsemane. So could you just not tarry with me just for a little bit just pray we're tired so the waves of emotions like this and now these women shout out to the women the women are the first ones to the grave now don't give too much shout out because they were just doing their job but the reality was i'm just telling you i'm sorry this is the this is jewish culture sorry about that they were going to prepare the body of jesus Now the reality was Jesus' his body wasn't prepared correctly because there was so much haste. We got to get him in the tomb because the Sabbath was coming. Now, if you were here on Good Friday, I mentioned a man named Joseph of Arimathea. He was a closet follower. He was a council and he was a rich man who had a tomb that was unused that he was probably going to use for himself. And Joseph, because he was so smitten with Jesus, he, there was something about Jesus that was compelling him. He actually went to Pilate and said, can I have the body of Jesus so that I can bury him in my tomb? Now, I don't know if you know about this, but that actually angered the Jews because they wanted this dude to hang on a cross and his dead body to just decay there so that everybody around the city would see that this is what happens when you preach heresy. This is what happens when you claim to be the king, the Messiah. So God moves on this man's heart, and they take the body. They bring him, and they put him in the tomb, but they couldn't do anything with him because it was the Sabbath, and so they had to rest. So the, the, the ladies are coming in now with all the stuff to prepare the body, and they pull up on the tomb, and the stone is rolled away. Now, for a moment, you can imagine, they're probably thinking, oh, man, like somebody stole his body. They're probably thinking it was Peter, because that dude—he's a loose cannon anyway. He probably had Peter and the guys moving the the stone and taking the body to just simulate that he was resurrected. But but it was almost impossible because Rome put these soldiers, and and these people—they they guarded the tomb so that none of that could happen. So how did this happen? Isn't it funny that some supernatural beings come and explain, and and, and they say this. Uh, uh, they 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 say you. Don't be afraid. And, of course, that's the natural fear of when you're saying don't be afraid by angels. You're going to be fearful. But they run and they tell the disciples. Now, Jesus is interesting because I love, I think Jesus low-key, he likes to play with people. Like, I think really, it's like, think about it. I mean, I know we reverence Jesus. He's still holy, but I'm just saying he also has a sense of humor. Can we be honest? Because turn to somebody next to you and look at them and say, he has a sense of humor. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, oh, that's. Somebody I married. The point is, the point is, Jesus then begins to show up. And so in Luke 24, it says, as they were talking about these things, the disciples are talking, Jesus just rolls up and says, Jesus himself stood among them, poof, shows up. And he said to them, peace to you, because he knew they were going to freak out. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you now let let me let me put little marquees on this okay this is mark translation why are you trouble and why do doubts arise in your hearts guys i told you this was going to happen did you not listen to me i told you i'd be back he said see my hands and my feet that it is i myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see i have and When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, that sentence right there doesn't even make any sense to me, but it says that they were still disbelieving, but they were joy and they were marveling. He said to them, have you anything to eat? Because he just got tired of trying to prove himself to them. So let me just eat some fish and let me take some bread. That way you guys could shut up and see that the food's not falling to the floor. I'm actually eating it. Like, please stop marveling over me because we got work to do now. I didn't just come back as a freak show. I came back to actually empower you because the same Spirit, listen to me, that raised Christ from the dead is now coming to you in a few short days and you will experience the Holy Spirit to be able to raise others from the grave. See, there's joy in the morning. But this is so profound. Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now, we think that just applies for, to them back then, but I would say this, that, that probably that sentence right there could probably speak to every one of us in this room. Why, why, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, we're celebrating the victory of the grave, that, over the grave. It's Jesus, the victory from the grave. Let me say it that way. But, but the reality is as many of us will leave here and we'll still be troubled. We know he rose from the dead. We know he defeated hell, sin, and the grave. We know that he did these things, yet we're still troubled, and we still have doubts. But but isn't Jesus so kind to us that he continues to reveal himself to us? Because I believe that one of the reasons why we have doubt is because we're not daily being replenished in his promises. Psalms 30 says this, this is David singing this. He said, I will extol you, O Lord, for you draw me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. Have you ever been there? Have you ever cried out to Jesus? Have you ever had that bad of a day? And you've healed me. O Lord, you've brought me and my soul up from Sheol. You've restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. That's a good word right there. Weeping may tarry for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There's something profound about the morning. This morning I woke up, and instead of driving to the same location that I've driven to for almost 14 years, I got and went the other direction. It was pitch dark. I could see a little bit of light coming over the horizon. And I was driving to our land, and we began to worship Jesus as the risen Savior as the sun came up. And there's something about the sun coming up. I don't know about you. How many, how many morning people are in here? Come on. I know this section right here. Not raising their hand. Oh, Canaan did. How, how, come on now. This is the 11 o'clock. Clearly, I've asked the wrong crew. Of course, I should already know the answer. There we go. There's a couple. I would have been at the 9 if I was a morning. Okay. I used, to be, I used to be a night person, too, as a musician, a creative. That's when we do our, most, our best work. But then something happened. Maybe it was all the kids. Maybe it was just getting old. I don't know. Like, I just couldn't comprehend things at night. I, I'm not dead. She's going to shake her head. Falls asleep on the couch. Let's watch this movie. I don't mean to do that. Just constantly praying for my family in other tongues. I was like, what do I, I don't understand. I can't, I can't do any cool things at night anymore. But man, when the morning comes, my mind is firing on all cylinders. Like all of a sudden I see things in vivid color. It's something about the newness of the morning. For some of you, it's like when you had a bad day, what's your natural recourse? Let's just go to bed and start over again. Right? And that's what Jesus is saying. There are something happening in the morning. There's newness. There's joy. There is a joy coming with the morning. There's a new perspective. There's a fresh impartation. And here's the other one. There is no shortage of his love and his mercy. Look what Lamentation says. Lamentation is known for lamenting. But look what it says here. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are limited in supply. No, it doesn't say that. It says they never come to an end. They are what? New every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now we know this. Some of you sang songs like this. But the reality is, as many of us in this room, we literally think that God can run out of mercy. I've done too many things. I mean, I'm tired. I'm I'm actually tired of coming to you, Jesus, and telling you all the stuff I've done wrong. I know you're tired of me. We kind of look like, we kind of think Jesus has a a supermarket like we did in 2020 that ran out of toilet paper. Remember those days? Remember that? Like like he's going to go to the stock in the back of the room, and oh, I'm out of mercy. I'm sorry. So sorry. I ain't got no more mercy anymore. Do you know that he is the giver of mercy? In fact, Scripture says that he is love. So he will never run out of something that he naturally is. So you need to understand that when you're in the midst of trials and issues, he is the mercy that you need. He is the love that you need. He is everything you need. He doesn't have a stock shelf that is going in low supply. He is creating and he's exuding the love and the hope that you need in real time. Remember that. We also have a record of his works. Did you know that? This is a written documentation of all the good things Jesus has done, God has done, the Holy Spirit has done. And this is a promise, listen to me, that you can actually tap into this too. This is different than any other book right? Because most books, when you read about them, especially history books, it's only so you can tell a story that happened before. But the interesting thing about this book, it is a historical book, but it's also a prophetic book. So when you read it, you can actually tap into the promises. So let let, let me, let me say this to you, that, that, that scientists, when they, when they want to test something, what will they do? They will experiment, They'll do certain experiments, and they'll test it, and they'll do certain hypothesis. They'll come up with an hypothesis. Okay, I think this is true. And they'll do all these tests to prove that it's true. And at some point, you come up with a, this is, this is truth. This is what we've discovered. This is real. And I want you to know that Jesus has been proven over and over and over and over and over again that everything he said is true. Let me put it at a different level. How many gamers would be in this room? Would you say, gamer, this has got to be your service because you've been up all night. Uh, They're in the back because they just barely came in. Okay. How many, maybe my age, remember back in the day, like when you would play games, that you'd get to the final level and you had to defeat the final boss, right? That was the deal, right? And so it was either Donkey Kong, wasn't he at one point come out? Somebody came out that was big and bad. And if you could beat this thing, you finally won the game, right? You did it. Jesus defeated the biggest boss that the enemy had to throw at him. He said, the only thing I could throw at him is death, the grave. That's it. And just for a moment, imagine, like, he thought he got him. And here's the cool thing about it, Scott. He, while Jesus was on the cross, he actually told himself when it was time to go. He said, into your hands I command my spirit. The devil couldn't even silence him they went to break his legs he was already dead because that was a prophecy that they it was all prophetic everything he did lined up jesus defeated the final boss the thing that every one of us in this room fear the most death he defeated somebody like it's not death it's public speaking whatever it is he defeated public speaking by the way i'm telling you what do we have to fear what do we have to fear? The one who defeated the grave is in you. The one who defeated hell is in you. The one who rules and reigns over everything, he resides in you. I'm wondering why we don't live in joy more often. I'll tell you why. Because we go by our emotions. And I don't know how many emotional people are in here. I, my wife would say I'm very emotional. Um, because she's emotionless. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. I kid because I love. She's doing the dishes. Oh, she's got some fans now. I'm just kidding. i am be honest with you. I have more emotions than she needs to have, right? When you say that. And so, so sometimes we're like this, right? So the reality is, is your emotions are off the charts, and for some of you emotionalist people, like you're like this, that's called flatlining. Like get some emotion. Get a little happy a little bit. You know, cry a little bit. Just do something so we know you're alive. So people like us don't look so foolish, right? But, but here's the deal. If we go by our emotions, our life is like this. And so you're going to wake up one day and think, I, I don't feel like going to work, I don't feel like going to school. And so what happens? Your emotions get down in the dumps and you walk to school. And there was the joy. Where's the joy? You've allowed your circumstances to dictate your life. See, many of us in this room, we're allowing reports that come back from medical doctors. I'm not hating on them. I love medical doctors. But sometimes when they will look at a chart, they'll see something and they'll say, this is what you have. But how many know that God has given you the ability to overcome sickness and disease? Why? Because scripture says this, by his stripes we're healed. It was prophesied in Isaiah. So here's the deal. When you've been diagnosed with cancer, Jesus says, I will clean and heal your blood and I will be your healer. So even your reports shouldn't steal your joy. Let's keep going. How about your relationship status? For some of us, that shows us that we've, we've become, we've done it. We did it. I found my man. I found my woman, whatever it is. Or maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're married and things aren't really well. And so you're looking at your life through your relationship status, but Jesus can heal your relationships. So even your relationships shouldn't speak to your emotions. What I'm saying today is we should rise above every circumstance. Your bank account, you're scrolling through your app, and you're realizing there's no one in front of those zeros. It's just zeros. Like, that's real. Anybody? We're like, okay, that's where we're at. Okay? Uh, do you know that Jesus says that your finances shouldn't dictate your joy? Because how many know when payday comes, some of you are like, oh, yeah, And then next Friday, oh, man. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Everything that we've gone through, the sin that so easily besets us, is leading you to a grave that Jesus conquered. Just think about that for a moment. The ultimate goal of the sin that is in your life is to kill you. But Jesus conquered the grave that's trying to kill you. So let let, let me explain what took place here. Jesus, a man without sin, died for our sins. What that says is that he was and still is the spotless lamb. Let Let me just share this with you. Some of you may not know this, but before Jesus came, in order for us to be in right standing with God, we had to find a spotless lamb. You know, the little sheet, oh, those, those guys, they, they, like you, you'd take one of them. And you'd be like, come with, come with me. You look great. Oh, thank you. Come on with me. We're going to go in the other room. Oh, thank you so much. Here, I want to introduce you to the priest. Oh, it's so good to meet you. You know, so like, like that, It was, and you're like, wow, that's so horrible. It was. It was gross. It was grotesque. And what you would do is you would project your sin on this lamb. And the lamb was, it, it didn't do anything. That was the point. And if we go back to Passover, it was the blood of the lamb that they would put over the doorposts, so that the spirit of death would pass over so that your firstborn could live. Now, here's the good news. Jesus said, this is not good enough. We need to do this so that your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin is covered by the blood of someone that nothing could penetrate or overcome and it had to be the son of God and it had to be a sinless per- scripture says that he was tempted in every way yet without sin so everything you've gone through he went through it and didn't sin let me say this to you that's a sign that you can be victorious over the things that are trying to come after you Jesus is showing you. If you'll walk with me, we heard testimonies about that today. I think Nathan did a fantastic job. It's like I look to the cross. It's the cross. I remind myself of what Jesus did. You got to stop looking at it. We spend too much time looking at our sin, and we need to spend more time looking at the one who covered it. So here we are. And Hebrews 12 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I, I want to pause for a moment. I, I like to picture this. I don't know if it's totally theologically correct. I think it is. In the text, it seems like it is. But I would just imagine the great cloud of witnesses would be maybe like David, Esther, Moses, Abraham, Adam, Peter, Paul, and Mary. That they would be in heaven and they would be cheering you on. Listen to me, listen to me. Great cloud of witnesses. They're going, come on, come on, church of 2023. Come on, don't give up. Don't give up. I know it's getting crazy down there. I know they're trying to come after your kids. I know there's all sorts of indoctrination. But listen, don't give up. Don't. We're cheering you on. We're cheering you on. Come on, Southview. Come on, Southview. Come on, people. I mean, they are cheering you on. And meanwhile, we're down here going, does anybody hear me? Does anybody see me? And it says there is a great cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith some translation says the author and finisher for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the the throne of God. He looked at the cross. He knew full well what it was going to cost. He was going to be tortured physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, and he subjected himself to his very creation with joy because he looked and saw you, me, our children, our children's children, and he said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for the generations. I'm going to do it for the people. I'm going to allow them so that they can come. And spend eternity with me in heaven. If that doesn't fire you up, you gotta check your pulse. Remember that joy that you used to experience on the last day of school? Some of you like you're getting ready to go back to school. You've been off all week. And there's dread and fear in your eyes. You remember that day some of you it's been a long time since you've been in school like like that like, ooh so or how about this for those of you working now putting in the hard work that friday before a long vacation ooh you're not answering calls you could care less i'm like these emails that go to that guy covered for me i could care less i'm out that joy is just a small percentage of the joy we should feel when we come into the house of god knowing that he paid every price for you and me. There is no reason why your pastor or your worship leaders should say, come on church, let's worship. You should have a song on your lips because the reason why you even have lips (laughs) and you even have breath, come on, is because Jesus gave it to you. And so when we sing praises to him, it's just a small way of me giving back to him what I could never repay, the love, the joy The the forgiveness, the salvation, the healing, the hope, the breakthrough, the transformation He has given to me daily. And that's why I'm saying, Church, we got to wake up. We have to have joy in the morning. I'll even flip it here. For those of you that are into words and, and phrases, there's joy in the morning with a U. And I got your attention now. You're like, What are you saying? If we really know Jesus, and we're next level Christianity, then we should rejoice in the bad times. Some of you remember, we went through James. How did he start it off? James 1, this is what he said. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And you let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So when we go through hell, we should be singing praises to Jesus. When you get a diagnosis, a report, you get your boyfriend breaks up with you, your marriage seems like it's on the rocks. When things are going bad, you should be singing praises because you count it all joy. Because the process leads you to become perfect in his sight. Think about that for a moment. That goes against everything that you've been taught. You only have joy when things are going well. God says have joy in the process. Have joy in the pain. Have joy in the trials. When you're going through hell, wave to the demons. That's the kind of stuff. You need to be thanking for people like Karen in your life. There you go. I put that out there. I'm just saying. Some of you are like, I'm Karen. No, I'm sorry. The point is, those people that rub you the wrong way, you need to have joy in that. If we do, if we do, We live in a level that Jesus came to give us. When we live in fear, when we live in pain, we're living below the standard that Jesus came to set us free from. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not saying that you're not going through something. I'm not saying that you're not going through a tough time. Just pretend like I'm blessed and highly favored. No, I'm I'm talking about being real. You can go through painful things and still have a supernatural joy because it's not dictated on your circumstances. See, it's supernatural. That means it doesn't come from you. You can't generate this. You can't create this. It's coming from a heavenly place. There's love, joy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So you have to eat of the fruit of the Spirit. You have to activate Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, I need your joy right now. I need your joy in my life right now. I can't go through what I'm going through if you don't go through it with me. And here's the deal. This is a promise only given to those who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why the world is lost. Why do we think the world is going to do this better than we? We're looking at the world going, I don't understand why they're crazy. I don't understand why they're doing that. I can't understand why they say that. I can't believe they posted that. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're lost. They're broken. They have no hope. But you have to rise above it. You have to be a high-level mark. You have to be a plumb line that people go to and say, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's the way I want to respond. That's how I want my marriage to look. That's what I want my career to look like. That's what I want to live. I want to live holy and righteous like them, those singles, those young people. They're not dipping into everything else that everybody else says they have to do. They're living their life according to the word of God, and they have hope. They have joy. This is why, listen to this, this is why the disciples, mind-blowing to me, why they counted it joy to be persecuted and killed for Jesus. I don't even want to be crucified right way. I I want to be upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. What? What? That's next-level joy. Here's what I believe is that what we did earlier today, Leanne led us in this, is that there were testimonies today. The reason why we did that is because I want you to see that there's power in your testimony. And notice that the testimonies weren't all finished. you got to get this. you got to hear me here today because many of you, we think that a testimony is a finished work. A testimony is also the process. And so we, 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 we have the finished work over here. You know what that is? The blood of the lamb. Romans says they overcame him. They overcame the enemy. By the blood of the lamb, it's done. It's done. It's already done. It's finished. You don't have to earn it. You can't replicate it. It's done for you. It's free. But then you partner that with the word of your testimony. And now you can overcome every obstacle and every demonic force that would try to come after you because you partner with what Jesus did and you say, I may not be completely healed, but guess what? I'm walking towards my healing. I may not, my marriage may not be perfect, but guess what? We're being restored. Come on, my kids may not love Jesus yet, but I believe they will one day. Come on, I may not know where I'm going, but I know God is with me and I know he will never leave me nor forsake me. See, if you have that kind of process and you have that kind of testimony, you will overcome the enemy and he will realize that when he comes knocking on your door, you're not going to answer. Not going to take the bait. Not going to do it. So today, all the churches all over the world are celebrating the risen Savior. I want to remind you next week, he's still risen. Just so you know, I just because I, sometimes people think, well, just make sure we, you know, Jesus rose on this day. No, no, He rose every day. And in fact, He is risen. It's already done. It's past tense. And here's the good news: that what we did here this morning is pretty much every Sunday. I mean, we, we don't go above and beyond. I mean, we don't have any flashing lights and we, don't, we can't bring in animals here because we rent this place. All that stuff, you know, all the things that the other cool churches do. This is pretty much what we do every Sunday. Why? Because the same power that is being released today on Resurrection Sunday is now living in you, Mary B. It's in you. We don't have to talk about Jesus. It's in you, Luke, too. And I don't have to talk about Jesus like he is a past tense person. But he's abiding in you. I want you to realize this. The resurrection power that took Jesus out of the grave, it's in Papa Chuck. Because I think if we really understood that, we would operate differently. We would pray differently. We would believe differently. We'd read the word differently. We'd walk differently. You'd work differently. You'd walk the schools of your high schools differently. You'd do things differently. You'd approach your marriage differently. You'd raise your kids differently. You'd honor your parents differently. Why? Because if you realize the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that caused blind people to see, these people to rise up like Lazarus, that lives inside of you, you would realize all bets are off. Like, listen, anything God wants me to do, I'm gonna say yes to, because he walks with me. If I'm going through Walmart and God wants me to lay hands on somebody, I'm gonna do it. And you know what? I'm I'm gonna leave the consequences to God. Whatever God says to do, I'm gonna do it. Because I believe that right now in our nation and this time in history, we need more outpourings of the Holy Spirit than we ever needed before. People need to know who they are in Christ. They're trying to find out their identity. Am I a man, am I a woman, what am I? And God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So sometimes they need a random person to look him in the eye and say, I see you, Jesus sees you, and he loves you. And that may be a profound statement to somebody far from God. So here's what I wanna do, just with a few moments. I felt like the Holy Spirit, wants me to encourage people in this room that are at the breaking point in their life. You came today. I don't know, maybe maybe you came because this is your church. Maybe you came because somebody invited you. Maybe you came because you need a new po- photo for your, for your Facebook page, post because Brandy set up a photo booth. I don't know why you're here, but I know that God brought you here for a reason. So with every eye closed right now, I want to speak to those in this room. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand but for those of you in this room that feel like you're at the end of your rope. There's some people in this room today that have had suicidal thoughts as recent as yesterday. You've actually thought about it. You've thought about it before, but it's, it's becoming louder in your voice, in your mind. I'm here to tell you today that that Jesus that raised, rose (laughs) from the dead, he wants you to know he didn't do that for nothing. He did that for you. You're special to him. And I want you to hear me by the sound of my voice. I I want you to know today that joy is coming to you. Joy is coming to you. I, I prophesy joy over your mind right now. Some of you, it's been a long time since you've laughed. Some of you, it's been a long time since you smiled. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord, it it should be your front and rear guard. It It should be around you, it should saturate you. You should go to sleep feeling the joy and the love of Jesus that when you wake up, you're anticipating, what could this day hold? I can't wait to see what God is going to do with me today. Young people, in this room today. I want you to hear me. You've been told that you're the most depressed generation. That's not from the Lord. That is definitely from hell. And I want you to hear me today. You don't have to take that on. There's joy in the morning. There's joy in the morning. Today in Romans 10, it says this. If you confess with your mouth, because some of you today, there might be someone in this room that doesn't know Jesus. You're like, I like this. I want this. And I want you to know you will not have this apart from Jesus. There's no pre- prescribed medication. There's no self-help book. There's no guru. There's no one that can lead you to this supernatural joy and peace like Jesus can. Romans 10 9 says this, there If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Today I want you to know if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, this is your day. So with every eye closed and says that you need to confess, there needs to be some kind of declaration. So hell knows. No, no, I'm no longer an orphan. But I'm confessing Jesus as my Savior. If that's you today, if you're here today, would you just put your hand up right now? Just stick your hand up and say, I want I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. I want to confess Him as Lord. It's the, t- it's time. It's time. I believe that He is my Lord. I want Him to be my Lord. I want that joy. If that's you today. And I want to encourage you the end of this service to come forward, let us pray for you. Because I believe that just like in the first service, people's hands were up. I believe that the Lord is bringing people back home. He's calling prodigal sons and daughters home. There's some people in this room today, you've known Jesus, you were raised in the church, but you really don't know him. And I believe the Lord wants to bring you home as well. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.